Hello and welcome to the Stew with JT Brew. I'm your host Justin Taylor, alongside my co-host Brian Toast Clark. We are getting ready for another week of NHL action. We're going to talk about some of the players disappointing us this year on this edition of NHL Around the Ice. Stick with us. You're in the Stew. Uh, you up on trades and why you moves? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing, racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub to start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups, universities, institutes, down to homies who click in groups. I introduce. Well, Toast, welcome back to another edition. Things have gotten a little crazy in our home league. You have gotten trade happy all over the place. I, <laughs> I've never seen you just blow a team up like this this early in the year. You just got nuts in the last 24, 36 hours and just started slinging players. I was like, every, I felt like every notification on my phone was another trade coming from you. Uh, some big time moves in this last week. Uh, before we jump into some of our disappointments for the season, let's uh, talk about some of these moves you made and why you made them. So uh, JT, you ever um, have a team halfway through a season where it'd be no different than, um, a, you know, a team in real life where you just got a feeling that this team's not going anywhere. Uh, they're, they're underperforming. Speaking about underperforming, we're going to talk about some underperformers tonight, but before we do that, I, uh, I may have had a midlife crisis, um, and decided to make a million trades in about 24 hours. Um, so, um, I'm going to, I'm going to walk the listeners through kind of what I've done. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and post this on, on X as well. So that way, uh, we can maybe get some chatter and uh, get some opinions and who knows, maybe I lost a trade. Um, um, regardless to me, it didn't make a difference. If I won or lost a trade, I know I wanted change period. And, uh, um, so, First thing I, I did, I took a guy like uh, Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota, who's been really underachieving, pretty frustrating. He was uh, one of my keepers, and I traded him um, straight up in our home league for Mitch Marner. Uh, Marner's actually off to a really, really good start. Um, I think he just netted his 13th goal of the season um, last night. And right off the bat, I got points with Marner, and um, he's just a little bit more steady. Um, I love, I love that yeah. move. I was, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh, I wish I knew I maybe could have got Marner for somebody. Cause I was like, I, I thought the, the move was great by you. I obviously, I think he was make, making the move thinking that he's hopes, uh, resolve comes back, bounces back, but also you got him as a, a really nice keeper. So that's a possible keeper asset for the future for him. So in case people are wondering, like maybe why would someone make that move straight up, uh, for you, you were thinking you might have some other keepers down the road. And, uh, the guy in our league was thinking, Hey, I'm giving up Marner who's playing a little better but this could be a really nice keeper because I think Marner was his number one pick or number two pick, if I'm correct. Number, I think it was the number one pick, right? Yeah, it was his number two. Um, so he'd have a second round tag on Marner. And I think why the uh, trade was um, um, a little appealing to Freddie in our league, shout out to Freddie, uh, who um, um, really was interested in Kaprizov. It's because Kaprizov will only carry a fifth round tag next year. So in a 10 team league, you know, he can have him as a 50th player, you know, uh, or I'm sorry, 
yeah, in the top 50 or whatever, draft-wise, and, you know, Kaprizov should be a top 15 player. He hasn't really played like it yet. And also, too, uh, Freddie, you always kind of look at those uh, those teams and those players uh, that you have in your league, and I knew that he was a huge Minnesota fan. So that made it even a little bit more uh, appealing to him. Uh, so you gotta you got to kind of uh, watch out uh, and really identify those individuals in your league that may be quote-unquote homers huh, that may also uh, end up being up mm-hmm. for a trade for one of their guys. And I would say that, honestly, this that was an even trade for the most part. It's pretty even all the way around. Again, I just wanted a new, new change of scenery for him and to bring in Marner. Well, second on the list here is we got a trade me and you uh, got thrown together here. Uh, Bo Horvat, Islanders, I had him. You were looking interested in getting him. I just found out that uh, Connor on the injured list for me uh, next six to eight weeks. I needed a little extra help with him out as he got off to such a great start. We talked about a couple episodes, how pumped I was with what he had been doing as a keeper for me. So we made a move and you sent me back Lindholm from Calgary and hints from uh, Dallas. And tell me a little bit, you know, just walk the listeners through what you were thinking on your side. And then I'll kind of tell them what I was thinking on my side of the trade. Yeah, this was, again, uh, I'll tell you, all of my trades were change of scenery when I was actually trading players for players. Um, I may have actually given up a little more than I wanted to on each one of these trades, uh, but I was willing to to do that. So, uh, Rupe Hentz, who I sent to you, um, man, and we'll get to Dallas. I got a Dallas player I want to talk about here in a bit, but that top line of Hentz, Robertson, and Pavelski, when they go – there's, I mean, there's, there's two or three lines, maybe just as good as them in the NHL and they just haven't really went yet, but Dallas is a really good team. I think they will. I just couldn't wait any longer. So I really had to go ahead and say, Hey, this is a chip I have. I'm going to go ahead and move on from them. And really, uh, Lindholm, um, here's the deal, uh, Lindholm, uh, for Calgary. Um, people's like, why did you actually send two players for only one? Well, I knew that I had more moves in me. Right. So this was the second move out of five. And I knew that, hey, I'm just getting going here. I'll make up the other player. So I didn't mind sending two for one. And Lindholm was another guy that has underproduced on a Calgary team that's Mm -hmm. actually had a whole lot of issues. But he's got the pedigree. He's got the track record to perform. And really, I think uh, right out the gate, uh, right out of the gate last night, JT, he got you an assist. Uh, He just needs to shoot the puck a little bit more. Um, Like uh, guys like Blake Coleman, um, Saren Govich, they've been more the producers of late. And Lindholm really needs to jump in there. And I think he will eventually. Just couldn't wait for him. Yeah, so the move on, on my thinking, you know, like I said, Kyle Connor out, I, I was like, man, I need some help. I felt like Hanson Horvat pretty similar to me uh, yeah. to make a trade for a trade. I could have done it. I didn't love it either way, one guy over the other guy. I did like the idea. Hanson's been down a little bit, but I like what that team can do. And I like what his line can possibly do. And then Lindholm, like you said, he's underperformed this year. He's not been great, but I'm hoping for a little uptick eventually here. And so I was, for me, I thought it was worth the two for one with me losing a big scorer and Connor uh, trying to get a little more firepower. I took two guys that have been underperforming this year that I know though can pick it up, even though I did like Horvat and what he had kind of been bringing to me. Um, he had been really solid. To me, it was one of those ones you you offered it up. We kind of threw it back once on a counter. And I was like, you know what? 
let's just make this trade happen. This is one I'm not going to beat to death. I th- I thought it was pretty fair. And like I said, I was in the position where I needed a little extra help with a, a secondary guy. And I had an extra spot on my roster because of the fact that Connor got moved to IR. So that was uh, the move there. Uh, let's jump into your next move. Um, Nugent Hopkins for Edmonton. You got eighth rounder next year. You sent for uh, Nugent Hopkins. So uh, Edmonton's just going now. Um, and really what I really like about Nugent Hopkins is, is he's on the line with Connor McDavid right now. Um, and that's just, you know, that's music to my ears. Uh, he's been awful quiet. Uh, I wouldn't say super quiet, but in the last week, he's really started to come on. He had a four assist game, I believe, a couple games ago. Uh, and for an eighth round pick, we got 22 um, rounds. So you're, you're talking maybe like a you know, a top third pick, but eighth, even when we get into the eighth, you're kind of throwing darts, you know, and uh, I wanted to make sure a lot of people out there that actually do drafts kind of like we do, where people actually have, uh, or players actually have uh, draft tags on them. You know, if you, if you send uh, an eighth round pick or something like that for a player, you can always make sure you're getting players back that also got value or a good uh, tag on them because you might be able to get that eighth rounder back. And Nugent Hopkins actually was kept this year as a 14th rounder. He'll be a 12th rounder next year. Who knows? I might be able to move him to a team in the offseason, grab a 10th rounder for him, and I've actually only uh, lost two rounds. So in my mind, I may have got him for free. You know, now, I, everybody uh, listening to this, it's part of our league. They may say, hey, well, that's the end. I'm going to trade with Toast. I'm done with that or whatnot. But nevertheless, it, uh, having individuals and players that have great tags attached to them, you can't ignore that. So uh, I'm pretty confident I can get something for him maybe. Yeah, I had Nugent Hopkins in the offseason. He was one of the, my players that I was looking to keep, but I just had too many guys I liked as keepers, and I was able to trade away him as a 14th rounder because he was such good value. I was able to trade him a, uh, away, and I think I got maybe an extra 12th round uh, pick out of it. So, you know, it was an extra th- something for me to take another chance with. So that's always something you want to maybe think about down the line. So I thought it was a good move. Maybe the guy that took him in the 14th was like, hey, I'm probably not keeping him next year. Can I double up? You know, you can always add more draft picks. So I th- I thought that was a pretty savvy move by you. The next one, uh, Babelsek for Dallas for Enrique from Vancouver, Canada's the ex Detroit Red Wing. Yeah, I will. I will fix you on the pronunciations here, JT. Uh, <laughs> as you. always, but hey, no problem, buddy. Uh, uh, we got Pavelski for Dallas. Pavelski, thank you. Yeah, that's all right. And we got Ronick uh, for uh, Vancouver. And uh, so the deal was, is I acquired Pavelski and I sent Ronick, and it was straight up. Um, and this was done with another deal with Freddie. Uh, so I'd already sent him Kaprizov for Marner. Do the same. I actually get uh, Pavelski. Um, I was. Um, Put it this way, I, I I send you hints for Horvat. I really wanted a piece of that Dallas top line. Didn't really want to give it up. So I decided, hey, Ronick's a guy who's, in my mind, maybe overproduced a little bit. He was on nobody's radar. He's still the second defenseman on that team that's going to score. I think he's got two goals, 24 assists, somewhere around there. Anyway, and uh, will he end up uh, continuing that? Maybe, but he's not a guy that's going to hit a ton. He's not going to block a ton, and he only gets assists. And I can actually have a chance to get Pavelski back, who's top of that of that power play. So to me, uh, th- that was a one for one, and I felt really, really good about it. Uh, the next one, I think you had, uh, I think it was Point from Tampa Bay for a third round pick next year. 
Yeah, actually, uh, I'll go ahead and mention all of these, JT. Uh, th this next grouping was part of one mega trade, and uh, I uh, acquired uh, Braden Point, Patrick, uh, Thatcher, Thatcher Demko, and Travis Sanheim, all of them for a third round and a fifth round pick next year. Ah, that's thank you. Um, uh, thanks for fixing that for me. I was I thought I was short on that. I'm like, wait, I don't think that's the whole trade. Yeah, and and so I'm going to be without a third, a fifth, and an eighth next year. Um, and, and virtually what I do is I move four players, Kaprizov, Hintz, Lindholm, and Roenick, and I get Marner, Horvat, Nugent Hopkins, Pavelski, Point, Demko, and Sanheim. Uh, in my mind, I pretty much have a new team now. Uh, and I, I was still able to keep all of my pieces, um, my main pieces that I actually wanted to build my team around. I'm going to be a little thin in next year's draft, but I have every bit of confidence that I can – gain some picks i may be out a couple early picks but i can maybe gain a couple seventh rounders eighth rounders and get savvy in a draft and make up for it so and you never know uh it, it, we have about five i think four weeks left until the uh trade deadline's done i uh now might be able to go ahead and move a player especially when dougie hamilton another one of my defensemen comes off the uh um comes off the uh, ir if he actually comes off the ir I might be able to move a player like Sanheim, or I actually have Joseph Wool as the uh, um, goalie. And uh, he, when he comes off, who knows? I might be able to move Demko again, and he might be able to bridge me there. So now I feel like I have pieces. I, I've got acquisitions. I have a lot of capital that'll give me a lot of value here come uh, you know trade deadline. So I just kind of want to jump the gun and get ahead of it. Nice. That was our trade talks here. Talking about toast, doing making some moves in. Our home league. Now we're going to get into the main portion of the show. We were talking about under underperforming players so far this deep into the season. This is where it can get frustrating. Like Toast, you said you were ready to just mix it up. You want to get some guys in there. But we're going to go through our Toast takes underperforming players on the year and what to do with them. Do you move a guy? Do you wait? Do you hold on him? Do you wait and see if he gets a little bit of bounce back? So we're going to talk about some of the top guys we've seen so far leading in this season. Number one for us, Alex Ovechkin, Washington Capitals. Real tough part of the season. He's ranked 159th in our home league so far in fantasy scoring. He was an ADP of 23, uh, five goals, 11 assists through 25 games. I mean, this guy is going for all the career marks, 827 career goals, you know, Age 38, the guy still, you know, for the most part has looked really good. It's not like the age is catching up with him a bunch, but it's just been been one of those years where it's like he didn't get off the quite a high side. We had a lot of games where me and you were on some early shot prep, uh, mm. prop bets with him, and they just, you know, he just wasn't shooting the puck as much as he uh, had did uh, in the past. Um, his hits and his blocks, his shots or goal aren't terrible this year. You know, they're kind of in line with what he's been able to do. 50 hits, nearly a hundred shots on goal time on ice around 19 a minutes. So, you know, it's not like he has issues everywhere out there right now, but there are a few things just holding back his scoring. So what are we doing with Ovechkin? Got to be patient with Ovechkin. Uh, so right now he's shooting a career worst 5%. Uh, that's unfathomable for a guy like Ovechkin shooting 5%. So on 100 shots on goal, only five goals right now. He's a career 13% shooter. And on average, JT, he'll shoot around 350 shots a year. He's on, like you were saying, he's on that pace for that number again. 
So the, the geek numbers, uh, you know, the Corsi and the Fenwick and all those geek numbers, and I'll continue to actually call them that because that's what they are. Uh, he's saying, really, honestly, he's having a very productive season and one of the maybe three or four best productive seasons of his career. So um, so I'd say, you know, right now, his team's expected shooting percentage while he's on ice is kind of bad. And uh, with an 8.5% expected shooting percentage, that's the lowest of his career as well. He's not getting a whole lot of help. Um, and so really right now, this su- supporting cast for Ovechkin, he's not nowhere where it's not nowhere where it used to be in the past. I mean, he's kind of relying on guys like Dylan Strom to kind of be his best. Um, and, uh, Kuznetsov actually had left the team for a while. Um, and so right now, JT, I, I still, the underlying numbers for him personally say that he's actually having a pretty productive season and I would buy low on Ovi especially in a league that values shots and hits as well, kind of like our bangers league does, I would actually buy. Um, so, um, I mean, honestly, JT, I don't know how you feel, but I, I kind of like to have Ovechkin on my team. I will tell you, before I traded hints to you, I tried to shop hints to another player for Ovechkin straight up. He actually wouldn't do it. Um, and quite frankly, it was probably the right move for him to go ahead and hold on to Ovi. He had won four in a row, uh, this other fantasy player. He was kind of on a roll. He's like, hey, why don't I actually just hold on because I think the best is yet to come. And I think the best is yet to come. I agree with you. I'm, I'm a hold here. If I've got him on my team, I'm not not bailing. The other stats are solid. So it's like, you know, the, are the goals down a little bit? Like you said, the shoot, shooting percentage is down but we should see a bounce back at some point with that. And he's been pretty solid everywhere else. Yeah. He's a guy I want, you know, he's just a professional, you know, the guy's going to end up putting it together um, all together at one point. But if you do have those owners who just are like, are expecting the world from him, and that he's just not absolutely been lighting it on fire. Now might be a decent time to go try to grab him. Like Toe said, is the, the peripheral numbers are pretty solid, uh, you know, but his score overall scoring might be slightly down depending on your league scoring. So he might be a guy uh, worthy of going out and maybe see, maybe see if you could snipe him from somebody, you know, if somebody's a, a little frustrated. So well, I, JT, I like that uh, idea. Given the midlife crisis I just had, if he was on my team, he I probably would have punted him. <laughs> so uh, you know, I was just gonna say the same thing. I was like, <laughs> if you got, I was like, if you have somebody in your uh, your league that's like toast and is just looking to shake things up because he's not happy with his team, this is this might be a buy opportunity. Yeah, uh, look at the, the the Ovechkin owners out there and kind of look where they're thin at, and maybe look at some players you have on your roster that may be overperforming just a little bit or maybe even a lot where you know that, hey, this isn't sustainable. Go get Ovechkin right now. It couldn't be lower at this point. So uh, if you're going to buy, get on it immediately. Yeah, and if you got somebody like our league where you have a keeper, a younger player that's maybe not putting up unreal stats, but you you get a team that goes, ooh, that guy's a lot younger. He's a possible future keeper if he hits. Uh, maybe you get him to sell uh, Ovi, you know, the old guy for somebody young and, and looking for the future. So there's a chance there. Uh, number two on our list, Jason Robertson, Dallas Stars, ranks 105th currently in our uh, home league in scoring ADP of 10, uh, nine goals, 17 assists through 27 games so, so far, shooting right around his career average at 15%. Uh, if you do those plus minus categories, he's at a minus five right now on the year. Typically, he sits about plus 20, so he's a little down there if uh, you are in a league that use those stats. So, Toast, what do you think 
The reason has been so far for slightly underperforming Robertson. Oh, there's one thing that's that jumps out immediately, JT, and uh, I can't really tell you specifically why, but as a the first thing I mention is that top line is usually dynamite. And we mentioned it before with Rupe Hentz, with Joe Pavelski, and with Jason Robertson. The last couple of years, man, they have just tore it up, um, and they just haven't yet. They haven't got going. Honestly, it's been the second line of like Sagan and Duchesne and Marchment and those type of players that have really kind of picked up and shared some of that scoring, but used to be where they were so unbelievably top-heavy, kind of like an Edmonton Oilers team where – they did all the heavy lifting and I, they've done it the last couple of years. It's just not happening this year, but do I think it'll actually happen? Yeah, I do think it's going to happen. We're only 21 games in the season. I'm sorry, 28, 29 games in the season right now. I mean, so we're, we're a third of the way through. It's going to happen. They're going to get together here. Those guys are way too talented, but really here's a telling story, JT, that I am. I, I don't know if you'd be able to answer. I, maybe some of our uh, listeners can actually answer and, uh, you know, hit us up on the X, but last year, he had 313 shots on goal. This year, he's only pacing for 200. He's not shooting the puck. This is the lowest pace for shots on goal in his career, and that includes his rookie season. So, And it's just not him, as I was saying before. Hence, production is down. Pavelski has been all right, you know what I mean? But we expect more out of them. His expected goals and assists while he's uh, on the ice, per the nerd numbers, <laughs> are the lowest since his rookie season. So his adjusted goals and assists based on the numbers are projected for him having 27 goals, 50 assists. It's not bad. That's 77 points in 82 games. That's not awful. But last year, he was at 44 goals and 60 assists. The year before that, 40 goals and 36 assists. This is a top 10 to 15 player in fantasy based on where he was drafted at ADP of 10. I'm still a buyer. I'm still a believer in, in Dallas. Obviously, he's got line one deployment, power play one deployment, and again, just like a guy like Ovechkin, he's a guy who would actually try to take a stab on and buy low on right now. Yeah, for me, it's always the wonder when you get some of these teams that are on the top heavy teams. Got a lot of lot of talent on their team. Is a guy like Robertson kind of letting everybody else? Keep- have a little more is he kind of trying to feed everybody a little more is it one of those situations where he's like i'm gonna turn it on i just need to get everybody else going first especially if your team's having a little bit of a lull i think sometimes guys say hey we're having a lull i'm taking over like i'm just gonna shoot non-stop i'm gonna look to put the puck on the net every time and there's other guys like hey do i do i need to get other guys you know more involved to make us a better team and i'm wondering if that's maybe a slight struggle with him right now whether they're figuring out you know how to make this work because to me like you said it just doesn't make any sense why he's taking as few shots as he is um and, i think you I, may I, be on to something there jt and here's the reason why i think you're right I, that's a great point dallas has cup aspirations and I mean, everybody, there were a lot of people's favorite coming into the season and they haven't been bad. You know, they, they've been, they've been fairly good for the most part. They're right there in the mix uh, that they, they're a playoff team, but in order for them to take the next step, there probably is a need for say, you know, their, their top studs that were kind of absorbing all that scoring in the last two years saying, Hey, Tyler Sagan used to be a big name in this league. We need you. All right. We need you to step mm-hmm. up. Um, and Matt Duchesne coming over from Nashville last year. You know, you're actually a, 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 a pretty big name as well. And then you got guys like, again, like Mason Marchment. Um, so they they are very, very deep. They got Heiskanen. 
Um, they also have a Thomas Harley, who is a young defenseman. It's actually really, really coming on as well. Um, and so this team's deep. This team with Ottinger and goals, actually, they're really primed to make a long run. And maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he's just easing his way into it and giving everybody a chance. Not sure. But that's the only logical explanation for to drop to 115 shot pace in one season. Yeah. It, 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 again, you know, I'm not, you know, speaking into is this is load management, anything like that, like the NBA, like these guys aren't trying you know, but I think sometimes, you know, when you know it's going to be a long season, you know, you're going to be in the mix. You know, there's a time where you're like, hey, let's get some other guys involved. I don't need to, like, kill myself every night to get us to the. That's just the case of Robertson right now. He's like, hey, we're going to be in the mix all year. I don't need to go out there and just absolutely torch myself early. And let's, hey, maybe let's get some of these other guys involved. So hopefully that's the case. And hopefully he kind of steps up uh, here later in the year if you've got him on your roster. I mean, obviously, you're he's a guy you probably took early enough that you're needing him to produce. So, But maybe he has that big run because uh, we've seen a lot of these guys in the past. They might be ups or downs for a year, but then you look at the stats at the end of the year, what are they? They're right where their stats always are. You know, you see those lulls. You're like, man, he's way behind pace. And then they always end up making him up somewhere. So he's a guy I'm not I'm not worried about. If I got him on my team, I'm holding. I, I just think I think Dallas and him and that, that scoring offense are going to start piling it on. Uh, they're going to have some big weeks. I have a feeling where you're just going through like, whoa, how, much, how many points did they score this week? So uh, I think that's coming. Uh, number three on our list, a guy that I've got on a ton of teams that I'm relying heavily on, Matthew Kachuk, Florida Panthers. Right now, ranked 104th in our home league, uh, far as fantasy points are concerned. Average ADP was number seven. <laughs> right now, he's only got five goals, 15 assists, and 28 games. That's 20 points in 28 games. He's shooting an incredibly low 4% right now, which is – is just is unbelievable. Uh, his career average is up around 13. So you see that's, I mean, that's way, way below the career average. Uh, he was 57 and uh, after posting a 57 and 29 on plus minus the last two years, he's at minus one for a good Panthers team this season. So that shows you there uh, kind of where he's been at. Tell us what's kind of been happening with Matthew Kachuk this year. So the only thing I could think of, and I w- we're told that there's no lingering effects, but JT, you probably remember he broke his sternum in the cup finals and, and tried to play through it, which was crazy. It, you, you do wonder if there's any lingering effects to that. Also to uh, Florida did make a long playoff and a deep playoff run last year, which they really haven't done before. Um, and again, we're only a third of the way through the season and the entire team as a whole, again, Hasn't been bad, but they haven't uh, been nearly as good as they were to end the season. Now they were red hot, but injuries may play a little bit into that. Sam Bennett, who plays on Kachuk's line, he's been banged up a lot of this season. Um, So Kachuk's really three points in his last 10 games. His time on ice is down a little bit as well. He's only played, he's playing a minute and a half less this season in comparison to last season. Um, So the good news is though, he is shooting the puck. 106 shots on goal, and that's a great sign that right now he's shooting what 4% on 106 shots on goal. That's not going to continue at all. The, the underlying numbers are not bad. They don't suggest he's falling off a cliff. 
this would be another guy I would buy low on Kachuk. <laughs> so JT, you have him on our, our uh, home league. I know you won't be getting rid of him anytime soon. So and I think there, there's this too. One other thing. Talk about guys like Robertson and guys like Ovechkin. There's a teammate of Kachuk's on Florida named Sam Reinhart. If anybody wanted to, uh, um, you know, let's say um, if you have Sam Reinhart on your roster and you would like to go ahead and buy low, I would trade Sam Reinhart for Ovechkin or Jason Robertson in a heartbeat. Now, I don't think you're going to get many people that's going to do that, but nevertheless, you could. If you got Sam Reinhart and you're looking to actually really make a big uh, push for the playoffs, go ahead and grab Ovechkin. Go ahead and grab Robertson. I think Reinhart. But Reinhart's bound to regress. He's shooting something ridiculous, like 25% on the season. And uh, he's had ridiculous numbers at five on five and on the power play as well. So as he starts to regress, I can maybe see Ovechkin, or I'm sorry, Ovechkin, Kachuk maybe picking it up just a little bit. So um, his best days are ahead of him. I agree. It's just, the thing is, when guys don't get shots on goal, you start going, okay, what's going on? What's what's their position on the team? Are they, are they asking to shoot less? Is he just trying to get people involved? What's what's the case? What's the scenario? He's getting the puck out. I mean, he's shooting. Just nothing's going in. I mean, nothing's going in right now. And you, you got to figure that a little bit. That's just straight up bad luck right Keep now. Shooting, just kid. Bad luck that he just hasn't got those shots to fall yet. Um he really did have a lot. He was banged up last year and just fought through and fought through and fought through and a long season. So I, I can see a little bit of those injuries, uh, you know, kind of holding them back. And, you know, God's banged up all year. Maybe he's trying to hold things back a little bit, but Chuck, he's just, man, he's a gamer. I want him. I just think he's just a tough guy. I think, I think we're going to see his better days ahead. I feel like he is like my team. We just keep putting the, my fans team just putting the puck on the net. We just can't get any goals. I'm just like, I've every week lately, I've just been struggling to score, been losing close, close matchups. Uh, we were just talking about a loss by one point to the last place team in our league last week. He came back on me and beat me by one. I couldn't believe it. You came back on me two weeks ago after I led all week. You made a huge surge on Saturday and Sunday and beat me. So it's like, Sometimes you got to just keep sticking with it. It's, it's been frustrating the last couple of weeks, but like, uh, like a Chuck, like I said, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking with him uh, going forward. I, I think that luck has to change at some point. Number four on our list, a guy that I bought super low on last year and was pumped with him. And I, I <laughs> traded away in the off season for another keeper. Uh, number four, Eric Carlson, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. We thought him maybe moving over to Pittsburgh was going to be awesome for him. It has not necessarily been awesome. Uh, he's ranked 146 right now in scoring. Draft position uh, for most people like in the 30s. He went way later in our league because I got him kind of on the downfall the year before, so he was a late keeper. Uh, six goals, only 13 assists over 27 games so far this year. Uh, he's shooting about 9%, you know, well, about... So, you know, he's right around a, a little better than his career average, I think it is for him. So with Carlson, the Penguins have been a little bit of a mess. Is this a little bit of him being on a new team and a team trying to get it together? Or is this things finally catching up with Carlson, who kind of had a resurgent year last year? I think you hit it on the head, JT. I, I think it's a new team trying to find its footing. Um, that entire team is a fairly old team as well. I believe that they're kind of on the 
downslide of, of success for that team. And he's kind of here first year um, and it just hasn't worked out so far. Um, last year, he won that Norris Trophy with the San Jose Sharks. And really, that was the first time that he'd found his previous form since he was in Ottawa um, last year. Think about this. 25 goals, 76 assists, 101 points. That's huge numbers for a defenseman. Um, so right now what I think is happening is, is Pittsburgh, I mean, Carlson would rely heavily maybe on power play um, and they really uh, rely on guys like Crosby and Gensel and Rust and Malkin um, to be around him to kind of help out and really be, you know, get those primary assists and secondary assists. It hasn't happened. Pittsburgh's power play is 30th in the league. And I watched them play the other night, JT, when they were playing the Blackhawks. This maybe been a week, week and a half ago. Their power play is awful. Um, they, I mentioned on a previous podcast, they have no they have no continuity, no flow on that power play at all. The passes aren't crisp. They're doing the drop passes. It's not working at all. I mean, it's almost as if when they're on a power play, it feels like they're on a penalty kill. So um, right now, one thing I want to say regarding Carlson is, is, um, you know, he's got right now, it's basically majority of his shots aren't reaching the going net. So right now, the um, the amount of shots that aren't reaching net is at a career high for him. All right. So the Corsi Fenwick uh, numbers, the nerd numbers show the team is controlling the puck nearly 60 percent of the time while he's on ice. And that Carlson is productive while he's actually on the ice and he's having a pretty productive season per the numbers. But just like the other guys that I said, Hey, the numbers are there. Give them time. He's going to stay out of it. Uh, you know, the underlying numbers suggest it such. I'm just not buying it with Carlson. Even this, this, the underlying numbers suggested that, that he is actually playing fairly well and playing pretty productive. I think they got a lot of issues on that Pittsburgh team. I think that signing could have been a major mistake uh, for Pittsburgh, and I'm not buying low on Carlson at all. So I, I would be staying away from him. Yeah, for me, it seemed like they were they were thinking, okay, we got some older players on our team. Let's make one one last big go of it. Let's get you know Carlson. Let's get some more of these veterans. And it's just not happening. They are just not coming or gelling uh, as a unit at all. And the I don't know what they're going to have to do to swing some around because you look at the you look at the roster. And you're like, it's a good roster. You're like, look yeah. at the players up and down the roster. Like, this should be a good team. But Pittsburgh has not been a good team this year. I've watched a handful of their games, and I'm like, this is not what I'm expecting to see when I see the Penguins. They, you like you said, they just kind of seem disjointed. They just like there's no flow. It's not like you know you're not sitting there going, oh man, when is Crosby or Yvette, or uh, Malganan or when is one of these guys just gonna you know blow up and score? It's just like they're kind of like they're just dropping the puck in. They're kind of I don't know. It's it, it doesn't seem like the P Pittsburgh Penguins from the last couple of years. You know, kind of what we've come to expect from them. And and one thing I'll say as well is uh, if. If uh, Eric Carlson's having struggles, that Chris Tang has had equal struggles as well. Mm -hmm. And they started off the season with Tang's always been their power play one quarterback. Um, and he's been very, very good at that over his career. He's been doing it a long time. And you don't bring in a guy like Eric Carlson to be on power play number two. You just don't do that, which, again, begs the question, why bring him in at all? Why are we even doing that? So they start off the season. 
and they decide to go ahead and put Latang and Carlson go two defensemen on the top power play as well. It never worked. Obviously, it didn't work. They're 30th in the league right now. So I think this just goes back to, hey, did you really need to make that signing? You know, $11.5 million for a guy that's actually on the other side of 30 years old, um, and you already have an aging team. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. So, uh, and I'm sure a lot of Pittsburgh fans feel the same way. Um, uh, Kyle DuBois, Dubois, uh, who actually came over from uh, Toronto as their general manager, that was his first big splash he made, and I think it was a mistake. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the Penguins go from from here for the rest of the season, for sure. Um, our number five player on the list tonight, Timo uh, Meyer, New Jersey Devils. This is a guy we've talked about before. Uh, me and you have liked him a ton in the past. We've had a ton of shares of him. But, man, Timo, <laughs> wow, he's off to a slow start. 383rd in our home league and scoring so far. <laughs> I said that right. 383rd in our home league scoring at this point. That's how bad it's been. Uh, average draft position of 31 ADP. <laughs> wow. He's got five goals, six assists in 19 games, shooting just around 9% on the season. Uh, it's been rough. Toast. This is the guy we had high hopes for when he went to the devils were like, Hey, uh, now he's not the man only in San Jose. Is that a good or bad thing? Does he go to the devils? And he actually is more productive because he's got more talent around him. So far, the answer is no. Why is that? So what's concerning about Timo Meyer is the shots on goals. Kind of like Robertson have fell off considerably over the last three seasons, man. Timo Meyer is a shot machine. The last three years on goal, 327, 327, and 326, respectively. This year, he's on pace for about 100 shots less than that. And even so, a lot of people may say, well, he's new with uh, New, New Jersey and he's still kind of finding his footing, doesn't really know kind of his place on the team. May be the case, but even last year in a small 21 game sample with the Devils, he actually had a pace of 300 shots in that small amount. So right now, um, I mean, his deployment's great, all right? He's on line one with Hughes and Toffoli, but he's not getting the top power play time, and he's currently on power play two. I believe if he was actually producing at the rate that he normally would, there's no doubt he'd actually be on that top power play, all right? So nobody would have predicted that he would actually have been on power play, power play two right now. Like Carlson, he's at a career low of shots, and – that that really when I say shots, meaning the ones that are actually he's attempting and they're actually getting to the net. He's at a career low. Lots of his shots are actually getting blocked. However, the underlying numbers say his production and also his expected production is down this season in compares to years past. Okay, so I do not have faith in the player at this point, given his lack of production. I'm not buying low on Meyer right now. JT, how much do you think this Meyer lack of production? coming from San Jose as the number one player to a loaded New Jersey Devils team is uh, just, is that just maybe searing the spotlight with other great players? I mean, what, I mean, I can't really put my finger on it. Why you guys like, I just don't know how to play hockey anymore and I'm just not going to shoot, you know, so I don't get it. To me, it, it always is a question whether guys that are stars, like studs, pretty star players, but aren't the super superstars can those guys actually play and fit with other stars? 
or are they good when they're just the star? When it's just them or them and one other guy, are they much better in that situation than when you're trying to put them with three, four other stars? Some guys just, you know, rise to the performance. They got better players around them. They play even better. They make everyone else around them better. And I feel like there's guys that just don't fit well in those situations. They like gotta be the man. And if they're not the man, they just, something happens with them. And I'm not sure if it's my own, if it's a a mental thing, or if it's just Uh the fact that he is not the clear cut best player leader of the team that he has been for pretty much his entire career with the sharks. And whether that mentally messes with someone, whether they can adjust, you know, and say, Hey, well, you know, now I got to kind of like figure out what my role is on the team where your role was always go out there and be the man, just shoot the puck as much as possible, try to score as much as possible. And hopefully everybody else jumps on board and they play well too. And, you know, so I, I think sometimes there can be a barrier when you're trying to make that adjustment. I think some players adjust to it and do it well. And I think some players don't, I just don't think they adjust to it. Well, I think it, to make a comparison, I think it's a little bit like the NBA and that sometimes you get these guys, they look like superstars on bad teams when they're the man. And then you get them on a team with two or three or four good players. They get traded to them and you think, Hey, this guy's going to be just like he was on that other team. And you get there and he puts up half the stats and you're wondering like, what's going on? Well, it's because he was the man when he was the man, it was all about him and he just did his thing. And he's not used to just fitting in with everybody else. And I'm with you. If I can sell Meyer right now, I know it's going to be hard. And you're definitely going to get a depressed value for where his stats are been. I'm not. No, I don't know if I see a huge upside the rest of the year for him. I really don't. And maybe, maybe you can sell him on the name. That's where I'm wondering is like, can you sell him on? Hey, he's been a stud. He's going to have a bounce back and you get someone that. That, that maybe looks at that and says, Hey, maybe he's down a little bit and maybe you offer up somebody that's, you know, not the name brand that Timo Meyer is, but maybe is producing better. Maybe you make that move now because I, he's one, th- this was one I'm actually worried about. And like I said, I've got him in a couple situations. I think, uh, I think we've got him on hit our, uh, our salary cap league, right? Team, yeah. right? So again, it's like, and I thought that was going to be great for us on there. And now I'm like, Ooh, what are we going to do with him? Exactly. So he, he's a tough one. Going to have to keep an eye out on him. But if you can figure out how to kind of like work all the people in your league and see if you maybe can move him, I might be considering moving him if I can, even if I feel like I'm taking a loss. Yeah. I, at one player that comes to mind, I'm just trying to think of comps, you know, based on the player's name, like you said, JT, and also too, maybe looking at somebody that's on a pretty good team um, and may not have the actual household name, but um, like Valerie Nishushkin for Colorado, having a very, very good season. He's actually um, coming into Colorado's uh, top power play, um, getting very good line deployment, mainly because Arturi Lekkonen is hurt. And I think that even when Lekkonen comes back, they're going to have a hard time moving Nishushkin off there. But if you think about Timo Meyer, the player, and Valerie Nishushkin, the player, and putting them side by side, that may be where if you have Meyer, you might be able to reach out to like a Nishushkin owner, especially if the Nishushkin owner, let's say either A, struggling to actually put up, uh, you know, points overall as their team, they may like that upside of Timo Meyer 
versus, you know, with the players he actually plays with. Now, Colorado actually has no slash themselves at all, but I just kind of look at a comp like that, you know, mm. so, uh, um, I'm not buying low on Timo Meyer right now. I'm not actually looking to acquire him. I'm probably looking, if I have him, looking to move him. And actually, again, you're going to have to realize that you're not going to be trading him for the Timo Meyer he was last year or the year before. That's not going to happen right now. And, and I feel like because of the scoring is so low, maybe you're going to struggle with a one-for-one one deal. But maybe he's a good guy to throw in a package. You know, if you're yes. going to package some guys together, he's a nice name in the package. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think if you could maybe, if you could do something with a, something like you kind of did, uh, like we talked about in our league, let me pull that trade back up real real quick for the listeners, um, where you kind of made a move and you had traded your third and your fifth and you got Point and Demko and Sam. Maybe you do something like that. Maybe you trade Meyer away for a draft pick next year. Maybe you add Meyer and a draft pick for, like you said, the Colorado player in a, in a later draft pick. Yes. Maybe combo something up like that. I think that could be a nice idea for Meyer. Cause again, he just with the production, he might be hard to sell a one for one, but if he's a big name in the group, I think you might be able to get something done on him. I think you hit it on the head there, GT. That's a great idea. Uh, let's head to number six on our list for tonight. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about the guys that have been struggling. Johnny Gaudreau, Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, my goodness. This guy, I feel like he's fallen off a cliff in the last year, year and a half. It's like he's not in the same player. 387th in our home league in scoring. Average draft position, 70. He's got four goals, 11 assists in 30 games this year. So 15 points in 30 games. He's shooting a terrible 6% on the season. He's averaging just barely two shots a game. Everybody was wondering when he made the move from Calgary to Columbus, you know, was this going to unleash him? Was he going to finally just take that next gigantic step or not? And he has gone the complete opposite way. I don't understand what's happened to Johnny control, but man, his time in Columbus has not been pretty. No, he in the past he's been a point per game player. Um, and his last year in Calgary in uh 2021-22, he had 40 goals, 75 assists, 115 points. He did that shooting 15%. That's great numbers. That's really, really good numbers. Um, this year it's bottom of the barrel. It is just tough sledding. It can't get any lower. And I think here's some of that that has to do with that. He's been healthy scratch this year, JT. They got a new coach in Columbus. Sounds like he's not putting up with any crap. He's building a culture there. And along with him getting healthy scratched a couple of times, Patrick Laine has got scratched a couple of times. Think about it, your two best players. And those are big commodities, big names in this league. And you're getting healthy scratched. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. Even last year with Columbus, he had a good year. 21 goals, 35 assists, 74 uh, points in 80 games. It's crazy right now how bad things have actually done. The underlying nerd numbers say he's having his least productive season, his least expected productive season of his career. Things are going to get even more difficult now, JT. I'll tell you why. Boone Jenner, he's either out for the season or he's out for a long time. Okay, I want to say it's out for the season. They're going to have to rely on the second pick overall in the draft, Adam Fantilli. Fantilli's going to be a good player. 
All right. Fantilli is actually already, I think he may have like eight goals already on the season. He's actually played pretty darn well for a, I think a 19 year old rookie. I mean, real, really well. He's going to have to pick up the slack. Uh, and then eventually Gaudreau is going to actually going to have to get back in the mix. So um, what's scary, you know, right now, he's never really been a player to rely on, on the power play for his production. However, his five on five numbers this year, which he normally relies on, they're awful. They're really, really bad. So I don't even really see any sight <laughs> or any end in sight to this point. I'm not really sure it's a complete dumpster fire right now in uh, Columbus when you have line A and you got Gaudreau actually uh, Gaudreau actually getting scratched and the numbers are what they are. Where do you go? I mean, that's not a winning organization. That's not a cultural organization. I have no idea where you go from there. Toast, we're coming up on the hour here. Final face-off, get our kind of thoughts in here. You've made a bunch of moves uh, this last week. Like I said, we're, you know, third of the way through the regular hockey season. Fancy hockey, you know, we've made some moves. I got off to a great start. I'm hitting my lull the last couple of weeks, taking some bad losses. Uh, I made some trades. I still think my team has got a good shot. I'm still in the mix. You made some you know, big time moves, which uh, I, I was uh, pretty, pretty shocked. You were able to get so many moves done. I was like, man, toes has got that. He's got that red phone over there. He is working it. It was, I was like, red. killing it, man. Cause I was like, you just were right. It was like, bam, bam, bam. Just trade, trade, trade. It was like, uh, making some moves, but, uh, and it's not like you were completely out of it, but like you said, you just weren't happy with your team where it was going. You're like, Hey, it's time to shake things up. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. So we're nine games into the regular season. We're in week 10 right now. Most formats have 18 to 19 to 20 games in a regular season. So we're at the halfway mark and most trade deadlines are coming up here in the next month. You can't wait until let's say you're four and six or four and seven or even four and eight, you have to jump on it now if you're going to. And what my thought with my team is, is I can maybe just sneak into the playoffs. And if I sneak in, um, in our league, we actually have 10 uh, teams. We have six make the playoffs. The top two actually advance to the semis automatically. Seeds three through six play. If I can make it, I'm going to be a very dangerous team that I would hope that not many people is going to want to play. And I really wasn't ready to call my season yet. So, but in saying that, fantasy managers, you got to be patient through at least the first half of the season. You got to see and assess what you actually have. And then you get that sense that you say, you know what? I'm going to be really, really good. Maybe I just need to add another piece to go ahead and give myself a little bit more depth. Or I have a lot of names that are very, very good all of the time, but they're not working out. And so when that happens, you really got to make a draw line of sand and make a decision and say, I'm either going to shake this up big time or I'm going to play for next year. And I really, really wasn't willing to play for next year and start selling off my um, people. So we'll see if I end up liking it. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's a, uh, it, it could work out, but we'll what see I will how say, it works out. Yeah. We'll yeah. see how it works but, out. But like, like you said, our, our home league is super competitive. So you just got to make the playoffs. I I'm four and five. I've dropped three out of the last four games. Like I said, one point last week, you came back and beat me by, I think eight or nine points two weeks before that there've been a lot of really close matchups, but I'm right now currently one game out of second place. 
So yeah. it's like, I mean, our league is bunched up. I mean, we got everybody together. It's always a super competitive league. And uh, you just got to stay in the mix. You got to keep, keep making sure your team's getting better. And you got to be hoping you're hitting your stride at the right time. I know last year I felt great about your team and my team going to the playoffs. I thought we were both hot, hot, hot. I was like, we're going to play each other in championship. I was like, it's coming. And we both got knocked off first round. I was like, I couldn't believe it. And so you just never know. You never know. Just got to get it. Got to get into the playoffs and and hope that, uh, you know, you can turn it on there. Yeah. And uh, one philosophy, since we have like maybe another minute here or two, JT, is if you are going to make a slew of trades like I made, make sure you're getting some good value in return, meaning that if it doesn't work out for you, that these are still pieces that you can move on and maybe try to recoup what you gave up. Um, you don't want to actually take on players, especially in a format like our home league where they have draft tags attached to them or if they have auction tags uh, attached to them, whether they're a certain price if they're kept or whatnot, make sure you're actually getting value for value, even though you're actually shaking it up and trying to get some new blood in there. So that way in the end, if it doesn't quite work out, you're still setting yourself up to kind of recoup what you lost in the off season. Um, and last thing I'll say is I'm still putting out toast takes on the X mostly every single day regarding uh, the uh, suggested gambling bets tonight. I'll just walk the listeners through anytime assists. It was McKinnon. And Dobson, I can already tell you that Dobson has already got his assist. Anytime point, I had Matthew Barzal. So far right now, that actually has not happened. But Barzal has been on a really hot streak with anytime point. They're hosting an Anaheim team tonight that, quite frankly, has lost 9 out of 10 games. They haven't been very, very good at all. But yet, Anaheim's up 3-2. And I believe that game's in the third period. And then lastly, shots on goal. Crosby for three or over. That's actually hit already as well. And... I liked Montreal at plus one and a half at home to actually cover plus one and a half at home. And right now they're actually in a dog fight versus the Penguins 3-3. And that's an OT, so that covered as well. And I love the uh, Montreal money line as well. So right now, all of those are actually looking good. Make sure to kind of hit those up every single day. Play some bets and uh, look at Toast Takes. Yeah, jo- check out those on Toast Takes at Toast Clark at toast clark on the x i also put those and retweet those on my personal page at jt orange you can find me on there and then we also throw them out on the jt brew stew at jt brew stew is the actual uh x page for the podcast for the stew with jt brew so you can check out any of those go like follow those again tell your friends about us like fantasy hockey give us a, a thumbs up a subscribe leave us a comment Anything you guys want to hear or talk about future shows, feel free to hit us up on any of those platforms and let us know. We'd uh, love to talk about, you know, kind of whatever you guys want to talk about. So another good show in the books, Toast. Hopefully, we just talked about some guys that aren't doing so well. Hopefully, we get some uh, inspired performances here uh, in the next couple of weeks and we can talk about some a little more positive stuff on the show uh, moving forward. Sounds great, JT. I'm dying to actually see it happen. So uh, look forward to talking with all the listeners next week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Stew with JT Brew. For Toast Clark, I'm Justin Taylor. Thanks for joining us here in the Stew. We'll see you next time. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of.